Welcome to the Flawed, Foolish and Fantastic podcast. Thank you for coming on to the Flawed, Foolish and Fantastic podcast. I don't think you had a choice. I was handing you down for a long time. Um, basically, Flawed and Foolish and me and my cousin. We are Flawed and Foolish and we'll come to learn from yourself. You are fantastic. You are the number one podcast oh, no, we go, we no. go on. So yeah, I follow you massively and I'll... You know, I was quite delighted to come on your show, let yes. anything else, so I appreciate that. So, if you're happy saying we all right to go ahead with yeah, the questions? Yeah, 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 definitely, man. Right, f- first question is supposed to be an icebreaker, but it becomes the most difficult for some people, but who is Amr Synchronous? Oh, gosh. Um, so, first of all, thank you for the introduction. Um, I, I find it really humbling and also quite funny when people like yourself, and I've, I've had it when I've done podcasts with uh, like Gurindaman, Komalup, etc., where... They've, they've said similar things and I always find it hilarious because you guys are the ones who like inspired me to do what I, I do um, so yeah it's interesting to see how that circled back we're the uh, old men you got to remember <laughs> we're the old men and it's we were having this con- before you go into here yeah yeah definitely we were having this conversation with, uh, with Gorinda today and the reason why we started this is because we were in our 40s and 50s and we're going, where are 20 and 30 year olds? Where are they? Yeah. So for us to see somebody step up and go, okay, I'm going to handle this myself. No, thank you. And that's the thing. So yeah. Is, so for us to be a buddy and getting, <laughs> it's, it's like somebody, uh, when you, you know when you see the note keepers when one of the old boys gets a, a camera yeah. in front of them, And that's what it's like. <laughs> so for us, it's like somebody knows who we are. We're old now, but it's glad that. No, so. but I think also with like, you touched upon age and I think that's, something that I've become aware of it like so for example you're talking to my dad before we, we started recording and you can see how much that generation knows yeah. and in the, they know whatever in their different fields and I just think for me I have the uh or I've had I have had and I still have the privilege of having the father like I have and then therefore having the sangha that we have by default so growing up with like going to Arvin's house, who's yeah. one of the like probably the leading academic in Sikh studies, like puts it into a different f- field for me because it's not academic, it's like just family and friends. Yeah. So then seeing that generation grow up and me getting to a point where actually I think I have a rough idea about what I know and who I am, but then what about the next generation? They're yeah. not going to get to, they're not going to grow up with. People like the good side of the yeah, yeah, and I'm not the greatest individual, so how can I possibly kind of save some of that knowledge or that essence and pass it on? So, I guess in a nutshell, that's kind of why I did or do what I do, inspired by people like self. Um, in terms of then who I am, yeah. God, um, where do you start with that? Um. We can start chronologically, I guess, as every historian would do. Um, I yeah, guess I think that, that'll be easy because we're going to talk about you, ask about your childhood and family. Yeah, yeah, so, I, yeah. Let's go. Well, I guess I, I think probably the most defining feature is the fact that I don't come from a typical Punjabi Sikh background. In mm. that, so father's side of the family, obviously originally from Punjab. My grandfather's pinned was Gangraya, which is near Falor. Yeah. And my grandmother's pinned... I've forgotten, but you she was a Plahi. You didn't even research for this podcast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can't even remember now. She was a, she's a, was a Plahi and I can't remember what the pinned was, but I've got it written down in my notes. I'm anyway. Yeah. Um, but my dad was born in Africa. Dad's parents were also born in Africa. Yeah. And then I think the generation before were the ones who moved over from Punjab. Most likely, and again, I haven't been able to pin it down, either they were indentured labourers or we were traders. Yeah. And depending on which one makes a big difference because one kind of didn't have money and one did. But I've never been able to pin down like right. what, where what or the what. Yeah. Um, then from obviously from Kenya um, my grandfather happened to be uh, well associated with the political scene at the time and kind of disappeared at one point um, and so kind of a long story short the family had to leave and we ended up in England really? yeah see Kaka yeah. have done a really good podcast I can't remember with, 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 with that Mukund Singh 
So yeah, so the link to him. Yeah, yeah. So my dad will be able to fill you in a lot more, but then my granddad. Essentially, what happened was my granddad was drinking buddies with the president or the dude, like the highest guy in Kenya at the time. And when things turned, essentially he got kidnapped, and he reappeared in London and basically ran my grandma and was like, "Yeah, get the kids and come over." But this is 1972, okay. and Britain has just enacted a law in 68, which basically limits the number of coloured folk coming from the empire. Yep. So to get around this, and this is really interesting, my grandma's brother-in-law owned a travel travel agents at the time. Yeah, he booked them one-way tickets on his name. And they basically got into the country as illegal immigrants yeah. and then like naturalized or whatever. So that's the dad side of the family. Mom's side of the family then. Um, mom's dad, Hindu Bengali Brahman, born in Calcutta. Probably one of the most intellectually gifted people I've ever met. Yeah. Um, got like, so I can't remember what it is, but he became, he came like third or second in the whole country in, of India which is just insane on its own, to get a scholarship to come to the UK to do his PhD or to oh, do yeah. whatever it was. And it was during that that he met my grandma. Yeah. Now, my grandma was a blonde hair, blue-eyed, white so seen the pictures Christian woman yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. who was born in St. Helens, which is a little place near Liverpool. Um, That's a shit on Basically. And yeah. it always has been. It always has been. Yeah. And, and <laughs> the only good thing they got is a rugby team. Yeah, rugby yeah. Team, nice yeah, and, and she would say and this is a, this is a, she would say the same thing. She loved rugby, absolutely loved it. And that was it. Yeah. And and what's quite uh what puts it into contrast the different sides of the family is the fact that I've been able to trace the white side of the family back to like fifteen hundreds, fourteen hundreds, and I can tell you where they lived, where they worked, who they married, where they died, who their kids were if they change jobs literally everything you want to know but I literally can only tell you the names of my grandparents grandparents and that's it and that kind of then spurred me into wanting to find out more I've always wanted to find out more about our family history just because you've grown up with being told well like we're refugees we've come from a different country and also the fact that you don't like I know we fit in but you'd also don't fit into the wider system. Right, like, do you get what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, as in, within, amongst ourselves. You assimilate between a certain group, but you're not naturally accepted by Yeah, yeah. That's it. And I sit right in the middle of that because I'm, in some eyes, half white, and in other eyes, half Punjabi, half Sikh, half whatever you want to call it. It's called a mudblood in Harry Potter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, this is the thing. I used to call it half caste until I was told recently. Oh, you're not that, to say yeah, that anymore. exactly. Whoa, I had somebody say that to me not long ago. I was like, you can't use that term. It's racist. I was like, I don't know if it's racist, but I won't use it again if it means yeah. I'm offending someone. So I got told you can't use it. And, and like, mixed I, race. I grew up with race. that being the term, yeah. right? So, um, so that's the family kind of background history. Um, I guess it has shaped, well, it definitely has shaped then how I've grown up because I've always grown up in a very open, like intellectually open household. Yes. Just because of the fact that like you have this whole, like, so we grew up with... You're a melting pot of religion. Yeah, yeah. But it was really cool. Like, this, but I'll give you a story which really puts into, con- uh, into context, right? So my grandfather's the Hindu in the family, yep. okay? And just following labels, you would assume he'd be the one who would be educating me on things like, I don't know, Mahabharata or Ramayana or whatever, yeah? But do you remember the old ZTV series that was the Mahabharata one? Yeah, the original one or the remake? I I think it it was like the one, I think they replayed it in the 90s, so I don't think it was the original. So yes, that's going to be the original one. Oh, okay. Yeah. So my grandma's uh, grandma's mate used to record them on VHS and then she'd get them obviously um, on tape and then we'd watch them and she would literally pause at intervals and then explain. Because I could could kind of, just watching it, you can kind of figure out what's happening. You kind of keep track of what's going on. It's old Hindi, isn't it? And you could read the subtitles. But she would pause it and make sure I understood. She'd transliterate it into English. And yet she's from a Sikh background. So I grew up with being like, so I had Punjabi class in kind of Santiago from my grandma. 
And then we'd be watching ZTV Mahabharat in between. Yeah, we all do that. And it was just, it was epic. So I grew up not knowing really the differences. I don't like, as in for me, there was no, like it was all kind of blurred. It was all a bit it's what we, muddled. The problem is, we, I'm just going to start. For some people, there is a difference. But we see yeah. that, that must have. Yeah, yeah, Righteousness yeah. is righteousness. Yeah, yeah, that's, completely. And that's why Guru Gomesh puts all that within the Siddhasamgar. Yeah. Because he sees no difference. It's Dharam and Dharam. And, and, so, yeah. and this was what was beautiful though with kind of later in life then coming across and being educated about the Samgrant was you made like you were making those connections and I was like so I was reading Barney which would be referencing the Ryodhan yeah. and you wouldn't understand like, and it would be referencing the anger or the jealousy of the Ryodhan yeah. you wouldn't understand that unless you'd read Mahabharata <clears throat> because of the context of the Ryodhan being such a knob right yeah, yeah. And, uh, and it was just beautiful. So growing up later in life, making those connections was great. But kind of as a upbringing childhood, it was always so just diverse and really brilliant. Um, on the other side of it, as you can imagine, with every kind of immigrant household, education is key. So yeah. from, I don't know, from like year four, year three, it was like as much work as you could do extra, exactly. do it. Like, do it, do it, do it, do it. And we were really pushed. Um, at the time, I probably hated it. It definitely paid off. Like, so we did well at school. We did well at university. Things, like, academically were really good. Yeah. Um, on a behavioral side, it was might have been a little bit different. Um, yeah. But academically, yeah, we were always really pushed. Um, and then in terms of, I guess, from there to kind of now... So when I was in secondary school doing my uh, GCSEs, I don't know why, and this kind of, I guess, actually shit, like this one incident shaped kind of the next 10 years almost, which was um, they decided to kind of use our year as a guinea pig year. And so essentially what they did was they made everyone sit tests in year nine. And if you got over a certain amount, they would push you to do your GCSE a year oh, early, yeah. which sounds on paper brilliant. Yeah, yeah? sounds like... Smart, could, if you're not prepared. No, exactly. <laughs> and it also has a knock-on effect for university places. So um, they pushed me to do my maths and my history a year, a year early. And I was like, yeah, fine. Did my GCSEs, got A's in both. Brilliant, cool. I can concentrate now on the rest of my GCSEs. And the school are like, no. You can now do your A-level a year early. So you can start your A-level a year early too. So you were 16 when you started your A-levels? So I started my A-levels. I wasn't ready for it when I started it. Oh man, Jesus, it was. So I, so I was doing my AS levels at the same time I'm finished. So I'm doing AS, history and maths at the same time I'm doing GCSE, English, science and all the rest of it, right? A-level a maths was so hard. I did the first two modules and I just was like, yeah, I'm quitting this. I'm not even sitting there. Was exam. it pure statistics? It was C1 and C2. So it was like the core, like it was yeah. the base. Like I did C1. We did that. He did that. I did that. Yeah, it was the worst thing. It was, I did see one and I was like, I can just about scrape a D. I did, and, and also for someone who prided himself on his uh, academic, like getting high grades, going from getting straight A's at GCSEs yeah, to then seeing, oh, it's just such a like, kick in the nuts. Yeah. Um, so yeah, C1, C2 dropped it. I was like, I'm not doing this. But history absolutely loved it. Like yeah. I just, like as you could imagine, right? just excelled I remember one of my exams I got like 96% in it and the school were just like like mm -hmm. best like best mark ever or whatever mm -hmm. right so I was like oh I've got this in the back so, but the problem was is when I applied to university all of the universities turned around and were like yeah you've got a great academic record but you sat your A-levels in different years so although you sat them early we're looking at that just as though we look at people who spend an extra gap, year. Yeah. No, yeah. Gap, yeah. So you're, you've actually put yourself at a negative rather than a positive. Yeah. By that point, it's too late. There's, like, I can't... You can't get back here. Yeah. yeah like, it's, it's done. And so for someone also who's been like, all right, academically, I'm going to smash my GCSEs, I'm going to smash my A-levels, I'm going to go to the best university I can, I have to go through clearing. Mm. Okay. And I remember getting my GCSE results and I'm sure, my A-level results, sorry, and I'm sure my dad can probably attest to this. Because of the way the, the house is set up, like my, I have to walk towards my mum and dad's bedroom to get to the bathroom. Yeah. And he saw me in the morning with my results. I didn't even have to say anything. I just burst into tears because I was yeah. like, I've spent fucking, I don't know. Three like, years, four years. Yeah. Or, or, well, basically since you were a kid. Yeah, like you're just direction. working towards this pinnacle of, all yeah. right, 
work hard and it's always this whole like idea especially as a child of if you keep doing like things will work out things will work out things will like the right anyway dad did recommend he was like why don't you take a year out and then go to university later he goes like you've done whatever you got your grades you know you're gonna get in yeah, because you don't have to wait on anything. Yes, that's it's going to be a conditional offer, isn't it? Straightforward. And I was like, oh, no, I want to... And I, I had this thing of, you have to do... Uh, you have to go through academic life at the right age. So I always had this thing of, if I'm older, I'd hate to do it. Change my mind now, but anyway. Um, so Dad was like, all right, why didn't you do that? And I was like, no, I don't want to do it. So I went through clearing... And, like, bear in mind, I applied at, like, Warwick, Oxford. Like, I applied at, the, like, the best universities I could for history, right? Yeah. Um, I think I only got one offer. And you didn't go to De Montfort, Nottingham, Trent? No, no. Aston, what? No. I don't want to start, like, a, <laughs> like a, like a uh, university. Anybody, anybody who's been to those universities, give them a shit, like. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Anyone who's been to, I guess, like, slightly better than whatever. Um, anybody who's been to a polytechnic contract, <laughs> not basically. But but again, like as in, and and this all it all kind of builds into into the narratives. But like I was I was I had an academic pride, and I guess to some degree I still have it, which was like I want to go to the best places, I want to achieve the best, I want to be like the best I can. And it wasn't about bearing. It's about making sure that the opportunities you have after university are worth it. Yes, and you've not just wasted three years and have gone. Man, you've gone to a university that used to be a petrol station three years ago. But it's also like, if you've been given the chance... You get the best... Take, like, as in make the most of it. Like, I'm I'm not saying, like, I know being academically smart is difficult. Like, we're not naturally gifted. But it's like, I was watching a podcast yesterday uh, called The Filthy Five. And they had this footballer, John Arnarisa, on there. He used to play for Liverpool. yeah, yeah. And there's another dude on there called PK Humble who's playing, who started to play in like one of the lowest leagues of football. And he's asking John Onorisa, who's like won Champions Leagues and whatever, how do you get to that level? And he's like, from age of 12, I would train three times a day. Mm. And everyone, and like, to you or I, you're like, what? But then he's actually like, no, I'd get up an hour before school, I'd go for a run, I'd go to school, come back, uh, eat, whatever, go to the gym, or like go do whatever football practice for an hour and then have dinner and then run for an hour. Dedication. Huh? Yeah. Now going back to when we were younger, mum and dad pushed us academically. Like we were doing GCSE books when we were still in primary school, but it paid off because then when we got there, you were like, "Oh, I've already done this. This isn't new. Or I'm not like I'm not challenged or whatever." So yeah, so I went through clearing, and I wanted to do either history or law, and because I'd just found history so easy and also like got the best grades in it i was like i might as well do history because hey it'll be easier like the chances of getting a first are just higher than me doing something that i find difficult yeah exactly so i went to clearing ended up finding royal holloway which ironically is the same university my dad went to okay which is pretty kind of funny in the scheme of things um and at the time it was like top 10 or something for history so i was like yeah fine yeah thumbs up went there and then the best thing was they actually paid me like 1500 quid like grant or bursary or whatever because my a-level results were of what it like however like high so i was like this is sick i was like i've got 1500 quid just to turn up like this is brilliant yeah. um and i loved it like i absolutely loved it i don't think i've had a better time ever like it was just awesome and Everyone listening to this is probably like, oh yeah, he probably got to loads of partying and he got to all sorts. Yeah, that definitely happened. That's normal, that's university. But the best part was the fact that we had an academic space where you could just kind of explore. So I don't know how, and I actually can't remember the modules, but like in my second year, there was a, it was called like a half project. So it was like 5,000, I think it was. If a dissertation's 10,000, then it was like 5,000 words. And... It was the whole like agenda or objective was to go and find a historical narrative that like go find a popular historical narrative, but then explore it and kind of discover whether it lives up to its truth or not. Yeah. So a lot of the time, I'm sure you've heard so on people some... look at Troy and things like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what they look at. They look at the um, Greek or Roman 
escapades normally. Or like even like we were talking earlier that see Karkai's podcast about Bagheel Singh and yeah. that historian saying, well, actually, Bagheel Singh never, there's no historical evidence to show Bagheel Singh actually putting an Ashan type anywhere in Delhi. Yeah. Which throws the whole popular narrative into disrepute. So that was the whole agenda. That was the whole objective. So I was like, mm, let me pick something like that I find interesting. Yeah. And so I was like, all right, I'm going to look at Sikriyat Mariyadda and how basically does today's Sikriyat Mariyadda, in, like, as in the SGPC one they made in the 30s, yeah. how does that stack up to all of the earlier literature and historiography and basically kind of is the popular narrative we hold true today actually the truth so to speak right oh, this is interesting so which so the SGPC that I, 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 know, I know that that's the standard that yeah. you're going to so then I basically today. so then I went and found like the day I sing that and I'm so you went through the class of that that yeah yeah really all of like as, as many as I could at the time right and yeah. a lot of them were digital copies or you're buying them in from India or whatever you got Gunda Singh's book as well, isn't it? Yeah. Well, and then book. also using like Mahan Kosh because yeah. it ref- like it references different things which doesn't don't appear in the later Udayat Munadda, etc. And then also just pointing out things like the SGPC Udayat Munadda says not to read Chopi Saib after 424. And if you go and read why, it's because it references like the yeah. Divine Mother, yeah, right? So I was like, this is nuts. And like, you got to bear in mind, I'm a 18, 19 year old. I've come from a religious background. Like, yeah. a, like as a new, like it's just a religion, and I've also grown up in a heavily AKJ environment, so it's, it's like it's very rigid and black and white at this point. So when I'm reading this, I'm like, oh my god! Like I'm, I'm, I'm actually like it's like a revelation for me. I, it's not yeah. actually historical research. It's actually a personal revelation to go, holy, like as in yeah. why, like as in, and then actually because it's like that usurps one of the key fundamentals of Sikhi, which is you don't edit Barney. Like, yeah, if Barney yeah. is such and pure and everything we hold it to be, who the F are we to be editing it, right? Mm. So coming across things like that, but then also there's obviously greater differences, like Prem Samadik says all sorts of crazy, like, not crazy things, but it's crazy in the modern context. They are crazy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, cover, cover your daughter in this and do yeah, this exactly. and do that and yes. whatever, right? But in that context of the time you can see how some of these things make sense or connect. So for argument's sake, there's a bit in that's attributed to the Deha Singh Don't hold me to this. That says, don't hold friendship with anyone who learns Persian. Yeah? yeah? Fine. But actually in the bigger scheme, that doesn't make any sense because Dasan Bani's written in... Not just Dasan Bani, Guru Gobind Singh Ji. Then you got Pai Nandalabi. Yeah. Who's... The esteemed poet, yeah, 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 like the the highest of them all, right? And he's come directly, literally from the Mughal Dabar. So, and then you got you got things like even when you look at Shirin Pasha's time, you got obviously Moff and Sunny. He's going around writing about the Guru at the time. He's Persian, you know. So it's it's, it was looking at stuff like this, and then the other kind of biggest find for me, which like as was like a personal revelation, was coming across how the Panchakar evolved over time. Yeah. And when I say that, I need to be careful because... Well, this is going to be interesting. You come from an AKJ background. So yes, exactly. Okay. Exactly. So, basically, I came across in all of these Pratan, Vietnami uh, and literature, essentially that there's no set standard. Like, no one really agrees. There's an agreement on it being a weapon, being a Kishara... And then the importance of gears. Like, that's apparent throughout Absolutely, all of the yeah, literature. Yeah. Like, they don't need to literally say that. That's very clear. But in terms of it being like a prescription of you need to wear these five things to belong to this group, that comes on later on. Mm. But what's interesting is, if you look at the context, you've got to realise... So, in a modern day and age, you or I have the choice to go to the shop to buy our kishara, so to speak. Yeah. Back then... The ob- like as in to tell you to wear that doesn't make sense because that's that's your like that's just the culture so to speak. Yeah. Similarly with akara, like akara is a shasta. Yeah, By yeah. default, it shasta like the that culture was embedded into that time. Like not wearing akara wouldn't have made sense. So the reason to prescribe isn't there. That's not to say the importance of the 
Panj Kakars wasn't there or that they weren't the Panj Kakars. It's just to say that how it formulated changed over time. So I loved, like, I, as you can imagine, like, I still remember a lot of it. I absolutely loved it. Did you come home with your crazy views and get told, what the hell are you on right now? No. That's okay, though. No, no, no. Mum and Dad. That's the good thing about it. So, I, and this is what I mean, like, so academically, we've ne- like, we've never, I've always loved the fact that Dad and Mum and Dad have always stretched us. They've always pushed us. Dad more so, because yeah, yeah. Mum was looking, like, Mum was literally looking after us. But Dad academically really, really pushed us. Like, so I remember, we remember having conversations on the way to school and I'm like 13, 14. Yeah. And he's like, so before time, what was there? And I'm 14 going, like, what? Like, dad, like, why can't, like, and at the time I'm like, why can't we have a normal conversation about like the football, right? Yeah. Dad doesn't watch football, but anyway. But we're having these conversations that make you think and stretch you. And then also, like, I'm going... I went to a Church of England school. So they're preaching Christianity to a brick wall, right? And I'm like, well, actually, what you're saying doesn't make sense because of this and that. And so a lot of that, like, rationalising or, like, just understanding of religion, I'd come back and be like, Dad, this. And then we'd have a conversation. Or I'd listen to... Bart on the way to school and I'd text Dag and be like well in a nun side it says Sanmuk it's like so I'd be used to Gudmuk and Manmuk yeah, what are all of these different words man and then Dad would be like alright this and I guess actually what it highlights is like a lot of the the space or that initiative and that drive to just discover and keep going and just keep looking has actually just been ingrained into us yeah. like it's always been like academically just keep going but then also because it's been tied into then my identity there's a personal like attachment to it like i want to go and read like as in it's not a chore to go and read all of these books or oh, go and... i know that with you yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like it's not a chore to do any of that um so yeah so i did that essay and then i handed it in and i remember getting it back because on the on the like the form they attached to it when they mark it she'd written 70 and then rubbed it out and written 69 was that like code no no no, 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 no. (laughs) the saddest thing was i was like oh my god i was this i was one One i I know i had the first she's rubbed it off i was so like and you can imagine i'm still vexed right did you dispute it i didn't didn't bother i just didn't bother and i just looked at and i went and I went, you know what? Maybe there's a maybe there's something to learn from this. Yeah. So I went, all right, cool. So I did that. Loved it. And I remember publishing that essay at the time and it caused an absolute shitstorm on the internet. And people were like, oh, he's saying Banjkakars aren't anything to do with Sikhi. And I'm like, no, there's a nuance to it. Like Banjkakars have always held importance. The revolution historically has, changed, has just been different. Yeah. Um, so far I can say like Mahan Kosh references three rather than yeah, five because right? it takes it from a sarbul. yeah sarbul yeah, yeah exactly yeah. and then there's uh, one manuscript of Dasam Grant somewhere I can't remember where and it has included in it a reference to the Panjka God but none of the other manuscripts do yeah. so there's obviously questions in about the authenticity of it and even stuff like uh, what is it by Jetas, uh, is it? Yeah, Bajetas, 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 Obviously, all of like McLeod's uh, works, but then also reading all those footnotes and then going finding those primary sources and being like, all right, let me go read whatever like so and so is written mm. at the time rather than just taking yeah. what he said for gospel. Um, and then in our second year for our dissertation modules, we got to pick. I can't remember any of the other options, but one of them was religious fundamentalism. Okay, and I was like, brilliant. Because again, you can imagine come from an AKJ background, come from a, it's like a very religious seat background. 1984 is a huge thing. I, I think, yeah. to be honest, and, and I, I remember actually in 2004, it was obviously the 20th year anniversary and there was a, like an exhibition at the Gurdwara and yeah. it was just like a room like this and they just had like photos up. And I just remember seeing the photos and they just 
burnt an image into the back of my brain. And I remember from then onwards always being like, I want to be a lawyer to take the bastards who did this to prison. Yeah. And that was, li- like, that was literally a driving motivation. Um, but then it also spurred me into wanting to know more about my history. Because I was like, well, what happened here? Yeah. And why did that happen? Because I think for a lot of us, Sikh history is old. Yeah. Like it's some stuff that happened a few centuries ago. No one's alive to talk about it. But 1984 is so close. It's in like, living memory. Like as in my me, older brother, I, I was I was alive at the time. You know, it's that sort of thing. I was four years old. So my like my older brother was born in in 84. So for my parents, they're like, yeah, it was like normal life. Like as in they were just going on about whatever. Um, so that really kind of got me into wanting to find out more. So pick this religious fundamentalism topic and essentially the whole module was looking at different cases of religious fundamentalism so like zionism uh right-wing hindu nationalism uh right-wing christian nationalism in america like you name every case study we went through it and then it came to the dissertation and so it had to be something related to religious fundamentalism that was kind of new and original or whatever um and so as you can imagine, I thought, let me see how I can connect this to 1984. Yeah. And because there's always this argument or oh, religious fundamentalists took over him on the side and yeah. this whole like regurgitating narrative of them being uh, militants and all the rest of it. So, although, and I kind of took a gamble, but it was also, like academically I took a gamble because of the fact I knew my dissertation tutor wasn't an expert in his field, like in that field. Um, but I thought, I'm only going to get this chance now, I'm like, I might as well. So the title ended up being um, Outline. So it was something along the lines of like Outline the Ideology of Post-Colonial Sikh Insurgency in India yeah. or something like that. And it was being quite clear that we're looking at the post, like post-partition kind of, it, it almost starts with, all right, these are all the ramifications of colonialism. And that all comes from Arvin's religion inspector of yeah. the West book, which is basically, we went through this process, things changed, the logic of identity changed, religion was created. Yeah, And, and, and I'm, I'm very specific on those words because you don't have an organised religion in the way we have today prior to that. We have an organised system, but it's not a religion. Like as in the Sampradayak system isn't religious. No, no what, what, and this is where you get the colloquial term of Hinduism. Yes. But it doesn't exist. Hinduism doesn't exist. It just gathers a load of different faith faiths together, different doctrines together. And God, this is one faith. But the Shaktas, the Vaishnavas, the Shivites, the, they don't agree on yeah. anything. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, There's yeah, yeah. nothing exactly. that they agree on. Exactly. But they're all considered one religion. You're like, this isn't one religion. And it's the same with the Sampradas. Yeah, yeah, Sampradas yeah. yeah. Are the same. We're, we've, there are differences. We're all under the, the cause of umbrella I'd say and that's where it sits or under the Sikh umbrella whatever you want to call it We're, and 95% we all agree on there's, yeah. there's differences yeah no definitely and so the dissertation starts literally with that being like look this is kind of where I thought we're at just post partition then it's kind of mapping out um, kind of the historical um incidents that occur between partition and 84 that kind of create this momentum toward this movement then it's the inaudible side resolution and then kind of the historical events but very briefly from literally kind of inaudible side resolution to just after 84 kind of like 91-ish but the bulk of it is actually looking at Sanjana these speeches and trying to map out an ideology from that. So being like, all right, what is, what is Sanjana thinking? What is, what is like, what is the overarching uh, kind of framework that Sanjana is working with? So when he's saying certain things, like, what's the, what, what are the objectives? Where is he trying to get to? So there's a really good book. I can't remember who it's by. I think it's it begins. The dude's name begins with R. I can't remember it, but basically, basically it's a, a translation, translation of like a whole speech. Yeah, of a whole, yeah, of a yeah, whole yeah, wall of speech. Yeah, I've seen it. It's good. It's so like a line on the front of Sanjana. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I bought that. I, it cost me like, I don't know, like 50, 60 quid at the yeah, time yeah. to get it shipped over from India. Bought that. Then obviously went onto the internet, found loads of um, recordings. And then I, like, I, 
there's a Swami Vivekananda or something. Dude yeah. turned out to have all sorts of sexual abuse allegations against him in the end. Yeah. However, I didn't know this at this time. He'd actually gone. He was on some type of like world peace tour because. He's the one that ends up in front of Sanjay Nelson. He's got his yeah, and he's recorded yeah, Christian, Christian yeah. Movement, where Sanjay Nelson he goes, prior to being thirteen years old, you didn't start this, and then, basically recite Kabir Jabani saying that when they say Sanjay, you didn't even go into Samadhi and you read what she was thinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. And then they go, let's get going. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's like, yeah, yeah. So he's on some type of like world peace tour at this time. He his his whole agenda is like trying to. This nuclear disarm the world, right? Yeah. So he's thought, oh, I pit stop in Amritsar and try and have a conversation. So he talks with Sanjana Singhji, he talks with uh, Longwal as well. And so I translate that and use that as an appendix, use that book as as a kind of resource base, and then also just try and find recordings of Sanji talking. My problem with is obviously I my Punjabi level to understand some of the language Sanji is using properly wasn't up to scratch. So I tried not to rely too heavily on that because I didn't want to mistranslate yeah. what was going on. And then also using interviews and speeches and conversations with people of the movement. So, outlined that, did a chapter on Sanzi, then did a chapter on all of the movements. And what was quite interesting, and I haven't explored it since, was how all of these movements kind of splinter and you have loads of different ones kind of emerging and evolving after 1984. Um, and then also, obviously, the clampdown that the government brings in, which is insane. Like, yeah. as in, it's just absolutely... Like, some of the reading you have to do was just... Yeah, for Operation Woodrose and things like that. Just bone could, like, yeah, like, blood curdling. Gang, gang, gang rapes and this and that. And, and the forms of torture and they're using yeah. and all sorts. And then also, that like... So, the lady who does... Joyce Pettigrew, I think her name, yeah. is the one who did The Faithful Fighters. Like, the Indian, girl, the Indian police raped her. So she went to do all of this research with people who were there. The Indian government, the Indian police, sorry, did the same shit to her. And it's just like there is no end to the atrocity that is occurring. So did that as a dissertation, put that in, got a good grade, passed my history degree, finished that, and then thought, I don't want to get a job. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to be a student for the rest of my life. Um and also with history degree, there's not really many avenues. Like you can become a journalist, you become a teacher, and then it's just like you can try and do whatever else. And I don't want to be a journalist, nor do I want to be a teacher. Yeah. Um, so I unwittingly decided to go and do a law degree at the University of Birmingham. Um, it was the worst decision of my life. I absolutely hated it. Uh, I was, again, I think... During this conversation, one thing that I find funny is my academic pride has always been the biggest issue. So when I finished my degree, because I got because <coughs> I got a two one and I was like, yeah, fine, like this was a piece of cake. I thought the same thing about the law degree. Okay. I was like, this is gonna be a walk through the park, hardest thing I've ever done. Um, at the same time, that's because you're applying, you're trying to learn shit that you don't want to know, innit? Yeah, yeah, literally. It and it's and so your mind won't take it in. It's so like, dense and it's so boring, and we're doing all sorts so of different. How much case law do I need to learn? It's so dry. Um. And then we also had other things going on in, in, in life which were um, a little bit traumatic to say the least. Uh, like my older brother ended up in hospital because we got jumped by a few people um, who I don't really want, I guess we can't mention. Um, and so, yeah, I kind of got distracted by that. The degree didn't go as well as it did. Um, and then I came out of it and then I was like, all right, like, we just need to like grow up now, basically. Um, and then from then it was just like working and just that part of life, like working, getting married and all of that malarkey. Um, right, let's go back. Let me go back to your family makeup. You've gone through mum and dad. Yeah, You've yeah. you an older brother. Yes. Anybody else in your family? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I'm one of three brothers. I have an older yeah. brother. I have a younger brother. I'm obviously the middle one. Um, That's good. You Good you cleared that one up when you said I've got an older one and a younger one. I didn't know where you said <laughs> No, I just want to make it clear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The so, middle one yeah. always gets bullied, isn't it? That's why. I always do, man. <laughs> so, no. So, your family makeup. Three, three, uh, three of you. Yeah, three boys. Mum and dad. Yeah. Sounds like a very good upbringing mum and dad. Sounds great. A solid upbringing. Yeah. I don't like, honestly, like... Yeah. Now that you're making me think about it, oh, like, there are bits where you're like, oh, everybody, yeah, whatever. Everybody but, has that shit. But it's yeah. also very, like, privileged because it's like, well, actually, like, are the first hundred needs that you want met? Yes, 
is the 101st need met? Maybe not. Well, actually, like, kind of like, rather than shut up in it. Like, exactly. So it's nothing like, yeah, we had a wonderful, wonderful uh, upbringing. And I think the biggest or the best part of it was dad, because he's also one of three brothers. Yeah. And also they come from a big family and they grew up in a really big family environment in Kenya in terms of like everyone lived on the same road. I was about to say, whereabouts in Kenya? Makindu, Mombasa? Dad will be more accurate, but yeah, they had Mombasa. a base in Mombasa. They okay. had a base in Nairobi and they would very much frequent Makindu. So okay. I've been back once in 97. Yeah. No, sorry, in 99, because Christian was two years old. So it was 99. Um, and we went to Makindo Gudor. It was a beautiful, be- like probably one of the best family holidays we ever had, and it was it was back basically back to the roots. Do you still have family links out there? We, I th- so I think they're in flux. So my grandma's older sister used to live out there, yeah. but she's now in London. Okay. But I don't know if her grandkids. I think her grandkids are still over there. Okay. So we have some family, but the majority. It's, it's, it's a very different place now because you got the obviously you got. It was a Christian sort of country, which has now become more towards Islam. And, yeah. And then obviously they had their issues with Al-Shabaab and whatnot. So yeah. a lot of Sikhs have left them. Well, um, I think my grandma was telling... This was a while back. My grandma was telling me how her sister was telling her about how at certain points in the... Like, they just don't go after dark. Or yeah. like or like the copper from like the whole area's uh, electric poles is just stripped out one night. Yeah. Like as in the craziest things are happening. So... Yeah, it is. It's certainly changed, and then obviously there was like those terrorist attacks. Yeah, and stuff, yeah, so. that took place. So, fa- family sounds good. Education sounds really good. I was fortunate. School and stuff like that. I was fortunate. I think what. So I I will say this, and I'm going to run off to go to the toilet because I'm dying for a week. But um, I think with the education thing was we were it was a the right place at the right time. Yeah. So the reason I say that is is I've, we've got nieces. I've got two little nieces at the moment, yeah. and. They're very young and obviously they're, we, they're at school. And you can go and look at the data. Like the funding for state school has just plummeted in the last decade or so, right? Yeah. And at the time, I wouldn't say it was the best education, but it was a damn good education. It was Church of England school. It wasn't private or anything like yeah. that. Um, and we got, like, not everyone at the school got good grades, but like I came out decent. My older brother went to just a run-of-the-mill state-run school. He came out with, like, the best grades the school had ever mm-hmm. seen. Um, my younger brother went to the same school I did, and again, he did academically really well. But it was just, I think, right place, right time. And also just the fact that you come from a household that prides education. Yeah, exactly. They're it's just, like, they know, yeah. yeah. Because they don't want us to go through any difficulties and hardships. So yeah, yeah, and it's that, it's that typical mentality of education's going to unlock these it things. might not unlock every door, but it will give you more opportunities than if not. And I think that, I don't know whether it's changed now, but definitely schooling is way, like it's far worse than when it was. And I don't know whether I'd get the same academic achievement or opportunities I would have then now. I probably yeah. wouldn't. And I don't think my grades would be as good either. But mm. that's, I guess, one of those like what ifs. You've gone through education. What does education lead to after you finish law what what sort of motivation oh, do you go to uh, so um so the running theme of this is i kind of prided myself on being academically gifted a law degree humbles anyone who's got an academic ego um but it worked out the way it did so i ended up with a 2-2 and in the law field it's highly competitive yeah. like highly competitive so i've always already put myself at a disadvantage anyway I think I've still got the spreadsheet. I applied to 125 jobs. I got seven interviews. No, I got seven replies, yeah. three interviews and one job offer. And I just thought, fuck this. Yeah. Like, honestly, I was just like, what? And then it was also like stupid numbers. It was like, you're getting paid peanuts. Especially when you're starting. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, like, that's but, not going to cover any of your... Yeah, opinion. and then it's like, it's not even going to cover a living. So it's yeah. like, all right, get a job in <clears throat> middle of Bob, Bob, like nowhere. But then commuting from, for yeah. I'm going to say, commentary, it's just not... And then I'm like, all right, well, now what do I do? Anyway. My older brother at this time has just set up a business that's come out of dad's business. Or is just the second evolution of dad's business, actually. Because dad's still the director and it, like the framework is still the same. Nothing's changed. It's just who's running the day-to-day. Um, but basically, dad back in the 90s... Yeah. Did a bit of a Steve Jobs. He was like, this internet room is going to be really big. We should buy loads of URLs. 
So you name the URL, they owned it. So mortgages.co.uk, creditcards.co.uk, loans, savings, pensions, dogs, cats, beers, diabetes, Islam, Sikh. Just name something. Yeah, Hebrew. They had it. They even had iPhone and Apple before. No, they had iPhone before Apple did. And Apple were like, you need to give this to us, otherwise we're going to sue you. Um, and they obviously had to give it to them. So Really? We're yeah. just talking like that? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> this wow. is back in the nineties, right? Like this is this is a different this is a different time. Um, and so, essentially, they did really well with with uh, with the URLs. They created businesses <clears throat> out of that. They spent a hell of a lot of time working on that. And then, twenty ten ish, or just after, essentially, uh, with a talk diabetes.co.uk, and then we've turned that into a business. Um, and essentially, the angle is. A digital health intervention so it's yeah. all about how using technology we can make you healthier and it's a lot of it is to do with psychology what you eat and loads of other things um and so essentially my brother turned to me and was like look how about you come and work with me for two years i've got a goal that i want to get to like help me get to it and then you can piss off and do whatever you want yeah i was like yeah all right it's been about 10 years now so yeah, but it's it sort of your life, huh? Yeah. So, and it, and it, as long as it pays for the bills that you need and, and you're enjoying it, what more do you want? So, yeah, so... um, Do you sit there going, what the hell did you do this law degree for me? In some ways. It has helped in other ways. So, for argument's sake, in, in like my professional capacity, I have to do a lot of compliance management and like we have to be compliant with this standard and that standard and this law and whatever. So, having some background is helpful because... I know a little, like I know like uh, like an absolute dot of information, mm. but it helps in some regards. Otherwise, no, not really. I'm just kind of like, that was, it was like a time filler. Like that was just like to, to, to get through two years. Um, yeah, but in the circumstances of your life at that time, it was what you needed to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't know, maybe at some point it will prove use, more useful than it has. Mm. But um, equally though, like, it's just one of those things like as in it's just like mm. we did it i've done it now kind of right next thing um i don't know whether i would want to go back and like redo it or try and re-enter the law field but why yeah that's just kind of like why? yeah it's kind of just like yeah it's just at that point no i can understand so that's the occupation you're still doing today yeah 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 so i'm working i'm still working there with my older brother uh Equally with my younger brother, uh, there's a team of about 20, yeah. 30 of us. Um, and yeah, it's like, obviously COVID and stuff like that had a bit of a knock-on effect, but we seem to be touchwood kind of trudging along. Um, and yeah, it, like I can't complain, it keeps me out of trouble-ish. Um, and just, yeah, it's just kind of like no, cool having to, to keep it going. So main question, you know, you are almost synchronistic, but... Prior to knowing you as that name, it was only, it was only when I listened to Coverroof's podcast with yourself, first one that he did with you, and he's like, and he mentions your name, I was like, that's his fucking name. He's <laughs> like, I've known him as Ramblings from the start. <laughs> so my, my next question is, how did Ramblings of a Sikh start? Oh, okay. So this is actually, I think, really quite funny. Now, at the time, it probably wasn't so funny. Um, so Ramblings of a Sikh started actually from university, from my history degree. So what happened was I got to Royal Holloway, which is in this tiny place called Egham, which mm -hmm. is next to uh, Staines. I'm sure everyone's heard of Staines because they've watched Ali G in the house, right? Um, oh, Royal Holloway is where the Maxwells used to live towards there, isn't it? So, so Holloway in London yeah. and Royal Holloway oh, are in yeah, separate places. Separate yeah, 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 yeah. So every, everyone always says, oh, the prison. And I'm like, not quite. No, no, Royal Holloway is where... Um, like I said, Robert Maxwell and yeah. Jeffrey Epstein's other... Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Virginia Waters is just up there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So and it's there. got like the most that's expensive... Most expensive like... That's why I was just wondering country. whether... That's where you got your bursary from, whether they paid... No, I hope not. Okay, that's all right. I hope they didn't have any that's funding just, to do with the university, right? Jeffrey Epstein's and just like Maxwell have paid for something. <laughs> Imagine. Work. Well, who knows, man? They might have something to do with the university, <laughs> right? Um, I hope not. Um... So I got to Royal Holloway, and it's it's, it's an which is basically Surrey. It claims it is a University of London, but it is in yeah. Surrey anyway. 
obviously in the first week you go to freshers week and there's all of these societies but there wasn't a Sikh society so when I inquired they were like there used to be a Sikh society but the guy who ran it has graduated and then it was like oh do you want to start one and then I was like what no like I was honestly like I've got to university the last thing I want to do is start a Sikh society man all that responsibility and then I've got to like behave and all of this forget it man I'm at university right Anyway, I'd forgotten about it. Next thing I know, someone, some other thing at the university who's also first year started the Sikh Society. So I was like, oh, great. So at least someone's doing it. Yeah. So the first um, event they did was like a lecture. And, yeah. it, and I didn't know the dude's name or anything. And it was just like whatever, history lecture or something. I can't remember what it was like advertised as, but it was basically just some lecture. And I was very excited when I got to university because you had space to like explore and there was a level yeah and there was also just a level of like intellect like of just depth that had increased so obviously everyone understands there's a jump from GCSE to A-level but the jump from A-level to university is insane because it's just unlimited like you whatever angle and whichever way you want to go there is normally a way like there is normally something or literature you can find out so I was like this is going to be awesome turned up and I was just horrified. I was like, this dude is regurgitating the same shit I've heard at Punjabi school since age five or mm. age four or whatever. Just the same blanket things. Yeah, we've got Tengarus, we've got Banj, Biadi, Jasset. Just like, just a standard kind of formula. But you expected what I did, right? You expect the higher questions to be answered when you hit a seat site and then you realise that not everybody's at the same capacity as you. So you've got loads of other people who are there going, We've got yeah. 10 gurus. Yeah. Yeah. Why is there 10? Yeah. And then you're sitting there going, man, this is what I learned this when I was four years old. Yeah. What the hell is yeah. going But that's what happened. Yeah, yeah. And so Somebody I'm, else is going, this is amazing. Yeah. And he's just, he's loving it. Like he, yeah, Uncle G is absolutely loving just delivering his bars and I'm just sat there going, oh. Anyway, I, I, this is also at the same time I'm exploring things like the SGPC of Creative Death Metal that says don't read Bart after this body, right? So in my mind, I'm like, they are the devil. Like, for me, it's polemic. It is good guys and bad guys, all okay. right? So when he's saying all of this, I'm like, this dude is just lost. He's like lost in it. Doesn't he see that like the SGP... So I actually remember putting my hand up and asking him, like, what do you think about the SGPC that's saying you can't read Bart? Like, I was, like, really particular. And he just wouldn't answer it and would always divert. And I was just vexed. I was so pissed off at the end of it. So as every vexed student does, he goes home and he's like, what else can I do? So I created a blog. And it was, I was like, what do I call it? So I called it Ramblings of a Sikh. Because I was literally like, I'm going to ramble about a Sikh society lecture. Yeah. And I'm also a Sikh, I guess. So let me call it that. And it just stuck. Yeah. And it just worked. And then, because I'd spent kind of... I just I saw the other day my Twitter handle was created in like 2011, which makes me feel really old. But like, because I, I just had that for so long. Then when lockdown happened, and I started kind of researching and reading again because I had so much more time on my hands, mm. I was like, if I find this interesting, I'm Somebody sure someone else... else yeah, I'll share that someone else find it interesting. Then I was like, if I want to get this book, I'm sure someone else will want to get this book. Mm. And then I was like, actually, I want to... And then I started, like, funny enough, I came across your books. And I was like, bloody hell, these are amazing. And then I was like, hold on. I remember dad reading... So, like, when I was doing my dissertation, I remember dad had a pink book that was, like, some... I can't remember what it was, but it was Nidmala something or another. And it, yeah, and I did sing Nidmala's. Yeah. Vidant, uh, yeah, his Vidant book. Um, oh, I forgot the name of it. I'm just like, I can't believe I forgot it. Do you remember it? And Pablo Simonet was his first one. Then he did the Vilan Paripasha. He did that one. And his pink cover. Yeah, yeah. And so when I started reading your books, I was then like, yo, dad, I swear you were reading one of his books <coughs> ages ago. And then I made that connection and yeah. I went, actually... You're solid, man. Beautiful. And then I was just like, I want to talk to the people who are putting... So for argument's sake, I want to talk to you just because of... I want to know more personally about how Vedant and Sikhi works. But then also... I just want to talk about some of the stuff that you've translated just because what do you like what do you think of this for argument's sake, right? Yeah. And then I was like, actually, if I want to have that conversation, I'm sure someone else will want to know about or is interested in that topic. 
And then I was like, all right, why don't I do a podcast? And so it was just an evolution of things well, going. Prior to your podcast, your account, your Instagram account was quite big already. I remember following that because I was like, man, where's he getting his pictures from? Where's he getting his... And for me, I was just like, who is this person? And I'm just like, there's a picture of a picture. And I'll tell you what, I, I know you schedule your posts. I'm glad you do because I'm just like, every hour there's something else for me to see. You know, I was just like, because Instagram, you're just like, I don't need to see duck faces every yeah, minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was just like, I want to see somebody else. And then I was like trying to click, click onto all the seat ones. And you're just like, yours was one of the main ones I got on. So th- this is the interesting thing. So obviously because um, everyone, like social media is in everyone's lives. And similarly to you, I was like, I see these seek pages, but like we only, it's like shallow. Like yeah. we don't go deep enough. So for argument's sake, everyone posts... Like, there's those photos of the Harmanda side from the British Museum that everyone posts, yeah. right? And it has the Palace of Mother Same one, yeah. Every, And I'm just like, that's great, but tell me about it. Yeah. Or tell me why it's not there. Or who took this photo? Or how did they take the photo? Yeah. Or why has a museum got this photo? There are so many questions. Yeah. And then I went... And then also during lockdown, like I was watching so much more YouTube. And like, if you've explored YouTube, some of the most random content makes like gets millions and millions of views. And I'm like, well, if this dude is, that's my kids watching Peppa Pig videos. Of yeah, Coco Melon every ten minutes. Or, or it's like a remix of like some song, or like just yeah, like yeah. the dumbest things, right? And you're like, well, hold on. If my guy is getting millions of views, talking about, I don't know, about the poo he had last week or something, right? What like. I, I I know I can make more valuable content. Yeah. I know that just because I know the people around me and I know they've put effort and time into whatever field. So the so the Instagram started just because I was like, all right, the only way you can make these things work is you need numbers. Like everything these days works on just numbers. So I was like, all right, if I can build a following on this, I can then direct them to a podcast. Yeah. Because otherwise you're putting hours of time and money into a podcast. Yeah, without any anybody subscribing or listening. With nothing. And a lot of the time, it isn't because of the person. It's just because of the way the system, like the algorithm works or the system works. And getting that out there to as many people as possible is really difficult. Yeah. But then also, it's like, well, all right, I might post a photo that says, I don't know, I might post an illustration that is um, of Krishan or mm. of, uh, or a scene from Mahabharata. And everyone's like, oh my God, this is Hindu. But then you go have a conversation, like you go listen to the podcast about Vedanta for argument's yeah. sake, and then you're like, hold on. Or you go listen to the podcast about Dasam Grant, and we're talking about Krishna Thought, and you're like, hold on. Exactly. And then all of a sudden, that Instagram <clears throat> post and that podcast connects, and things make more sense. And then you're like, all right, I want to read more. So then you can go to the shop and buy a book. So it's almost like creating, it's almost like creating what I wish I had access to when I was at university, because yeah. I was like, all right, I know, like, I've had the fortune to know Common Group through Dad. And so my understanding of Dustin Grunt is just far different to those who may not have had that exposure growing up in a diverse background. Like it, I've not been so like blinkered in like, as in there's just loads of pot, like things I've taken for granted where I'm like, all right, how can I now kind of try and capture some of that knowledge for myself, yeah. but also share it. And actually let's be honest, make money off it too. Cause it's like, all right, I need to make this work. Yeah. In terms of, I want it to work for the audience, but also I need to make this well, viable day. almost so that I can continue it. Because you can't exactly. just keep investing, 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 and you get no return. Otherwise, it's going to run out very soon. And like, yeah, then like, what's the point? Or you do it like us when we're just trying to write our taxes up. Yeah. <laughs> well, hey. That's all right. This isn't monetized or anything, is it? Surely. So he's just like, man, I've got to write you up. So that's what we're doing. So we'll travel wherever we need to. Petrol spent, something done. As long as you can do that, that's exactly. fine. That's fine. Um, so that's kind of how and where, and we need to talk about how we write our taxes off because I need to know about that one. He does that. Yeah, yeah. That's so. what he does as a job. Are you the accountant? Yeah. I need to send you my accountant. Definitely. That's it. That's that's what we did for everybody we've been to. It's like, sort my accountant. Because I just do my account myself and I just like, no, no, I have to go and to I'm you. just like, okay, I hope it works. Oh, I go to And you. like, touch wood, I hope it's worked. So I don't know. <laughs> I, I'll let you be the judge of it. Um, so yeah, so that's kind of where it's at. Um, and then... So yeah, so you thought about, obviously you said you started putting up posts and you wanted to put some context behind the post because yep. other people don't put up posts. Uh, one thing I like about you is I'm a right gun when it comes to this sort of thing, but I'll put up a picture and I won't say where it's from because normally I'm just like, I've got millions of pictures on my laptop. Yeah, I've got yeah, it from yeah. years ago. Yeah. I can't tell you where it's from. 
But you're really good at that, where you say, it's from this, it's from this, or this collection, this collection, or the Vincent Thules collection, or yeah. somebody else's, or, yeah, which is really good, because it signposts people to go, actually, I need to know a bit more about this. And you put context on about which books he's from and things like that, which is really good. And for me, that's why I started following. I was like, man, this is really good. Somebody's actually putting context behind this. I guess, like, I don't know whether it's just, like, historians have this, like, get up, but, like, footnotes... Hmm are the go-to so when I open yeah. a book I'll often get to a point and be like alright I just want to look at the footnotes now and I want to see all of the sources they've used yeah. not because I want to like validate their work yeah. I just want to go read the sources because I know they're going to be good that's why true about in the bibliography is there yeah you know more than one of the books got 200 nearly 40 yeah. books and, just like, and everyone goes through it because they're like alright if all of this has created this work there must be so much like there must be so much because there's obviously so much you can't include yeah. So I'm I'm a stickler for that because A I I myself just love footnotes. But secondly, it's not about uh controlling knowledge. No. Like I know there are certain like so if I can take the podcast to some extent is monetized and there's certain like like if I can take to get early access, you have to pay for it or whatever. But in terms of like knowledge on the whole, I try to make it as accessible as possible. So mm. all right, you might not have the book. But there's a reference to the book. So maybe you Google it. You might find a copy online. Yeah. Great. Now, if I've made that person or that person's now gone and sparked an interest, brilliant. Because then hopefully if I stop, they'll continue. Or like as in, as in it's just like that yeah. interest in our heritage. Pardon me. That interest in our heritage doesn't die out. Um, and so, yeah, hence, hence why I do that. And also because I see loads of stuff online. I'm always like, I wonder where that's from. Yeah. Well, I wonder where they've got that. And a lot of people are quite guarded. Gupped, yeah, guarded, guarded about it. And they're like, yeah, I don't want to tell you. Or it's from it's from a friend. And I'm like, what? Is this friend the internet? Because, like, where are you? Like, how else are you getting this, right? Yeah. Um, and, just, and because, yeah. And it's also just because if you want the knowledge, there's no point you making, like, making people screenshot it and then upload it to Google Images to then research. Like, why people... Like, there are ways of doing it, but why put people through that? Like, just yeah. make... It, give them the information they want. No, I totally agree. So, yeah. No, I totally agree. That's why I chuck everything on the internet I can. Um, so, Rambling started from a blog to an Instagram, Twitter, and then it's proceeded on to this podcast. Well, um, actually, it's... The podcast started as an audio thing to a video. Yeah, yeah, thing, yeah. You know, I've seen it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... It was a blog. I then got... You stopped for two years, didn't you? Yeah, you I stopped for missing. one. I just... I can't, I can't... It was like... I think when I got to my uh, law degree... Because basically what was happening... A lot of the history essays I was writing... I could then publish as articles... Because they were based on or looking at Sikh history. And obviously when I got to my law degree... That changed because you're just doing law. You're not looking yeah. at anything Sikh, right? Um, and also because I was like... Sack it. I need to focus on other things. Um, but then when COVID came like lockdown happened there was only like how much gym tv food like how much of that could you do and i was like i need to do something that keeps my brain going yeah. um and i think oh and i'd also done one of those terror dna testings okay so that's what actually sparked logic i did one of those dna testings see what your ancestry was basically so my older brother had done one and he showed me it. and he was like if you're gonna do one do one from another company to see if what the results are and obviously negligible difference but it was just really cool to see it and then I was like alright and then the benefit of that was it matches other people who upload their DNA and then tells you if you're related to them so I was like maybe I'll be able to track down some missing link that I can explain the family history obviously that's not happened but in the process I put together a family tree that I could as far back as I could went and spoke to all of the old family members got as much information as I could down Again, as I was saying, could only get back to like my grandparents' grandparents. Yeah. Although an interesting change was like, I think my dad, my grandma's dad or grandfather was called Uddum Singh. Uddum, Uddum Singh. Mm. His father was called, uh, so one of, either his father or grandfather was called uh, Bujaram Plahir. And the other one was called... Uh, something i can't remember but something very like hindu sounding yeah so it was really interesting to see how the names are changed in a line with kind of like what you can map as like the sing Sabha movement so it was just interesting to see how that is impacting like your own family like on a yeah. on a lang on a name basis yeah i'm guessing what because what what used to be you know how many ram sings and christian sings do we get we don't get them no 
And it was Bujar Ram Bro, he used to get loads of them. Yeah, 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 yeah. He used to get loads of them. Like Hanuman Singh was one of yeah. the Jatadars. Yeah. You ne- I don't think you'd ever get. No. I've never come across a Hanuman Singh. No, so yeah, I didn't, I didn't even think about it. So I did that. And then I was like, okay, I think I'm going to have to go about this the hard way. Yeah. Which was, I'm going to have to go and talk to people who are experts in the field about migration from Punjab to Africa. Then about people who settled into Kenya and then about how they migrated. Because actually I need to try and map my family's journey from a macro level and then try and hope that in that data somewhere there's some sign to say oh here's your family member and i was like how can i do this like actually i was like how can i do this the easiest way possible I was like the easiest way possible is talking to people so then i was like all right a podcast makes sense because i can ask them these questions but i was like if it's just about my family history who wants to listen to that yeah then i was like, all right let me start reading then i started reading stuff like just newspapers so then i got a subscription to like the british newspaper archive yeah we've all got that started going through that then i was like shit this stuff's really interesting so i started sharing that then people were like this is really interesting and then that just sends you down all sorts of avenues um and so it was just almost like i don't know it was just almost like a coming together of loads of different things that actually i want i want to do this and then actually well all of this information's come out i can do this with it then it's like, well, there's all of this data on the internet. So if I can say pretty much 99.9% of the photos I get either are off the internet or out of a book. Yeah. And people are amazed at it. But what I find interesting is all I've done is I've just gone and found it somewhere and then just shared yeah. it. And I think that also flips the idea that there's like, we don't have Sikh history or there's no, like, you can't see it. It's not physical. It's written in books. Well, actually, no. It's everywhere. Yeah. It's literally everywhere. It's just going out and finding it. Yeah. And so in the process of me discovering it, I'm like, all right, well, let me share this. Let me share this. Let me share this. And in the, and in, it's almost now, like I was leading it. It's now almost leading me. So when I see certain things, I'm like, no, I have to share that. I need to get a photo yeah. of that. Or I need to find more information out about that. Um, and it seems to be working. So... Yeah.